we're back. It's been a little bit of a uh, hiatus, if you want to call it that. Yeah, man, absolutely. It has been a, how about we say a sabbatical? I like that. A little, we, little mini sabbatical. Little journey. We've been, both been on our own little journeys and we're back and well, we never left really. Wellness journey, you know, that's what, uh, that's what the mental health experience is really about, right? It's a series of, of wellness journeys, right? It's like they say basketball is a game of runs. Mental health is a, is a game of wellness journeys. It's all about building momentum. It's, it's like something that you have to, to construct and develop from the ground up, you know, starting with your foundation, which is your, your, your values, you know, your core values, your principles, you know, your ethics. And this is episode 61. Shout out to, let's, let's start a new trend. Whatever episode number it is, we give a famous player. Roger Maris. Love it. That wasn't his number. That's it was his home run record. Yeah, hey, it works too, though, right? I mean, a big time, like a number, like 81, right? You immediately think. Kobe Bryant. Exactly. The late great. You know, there's certain numbers that you can try to find a player's number, but if, it, if it's more significant as a stat line, why not? Absolutely. All right, so episode 61. We did this last year where we did kind of an NBA playoffs preview. Now, this is going to be not necessarily specifically that. We don't want to pigeonhole ourselves. More importantly today, we're talking about kind of what Armin mentioned, momentum. Yeah. Continue the conversation like we always do about mental health, mental fitness specifically. Well, I mean, going back to this whole numbers thing, I I love the idea of the order of our episodes being associated with numbers of greatness, right? Numbers that represent greatness. And what I think we're, we're really trying to achieve here with Sports Hack and D's is we're trying to break down, you know, how um, mental health and, you know, the understanding and awareness around mental health and mental fitness, right? Which is optimizing your mental health and performance how, how to, to use these things to really understand greatness and how to achieve greatness in order to help young athletes, uh, you know, as well as professional athletes to, you know, always at least be able to put themselves in a position to, to go for greatness every time they step on the court, on the field, on the track get in the water like whatever the case may be like that they have a mindset that's primed for greatness absolutely and it's it's the sport that is kind of the the learning grounds of these mental fitness tools and techniques and they'll carry them these athletes off off the field off the pitch off the ice into their lives and it's it's when you say greatness it's essentially just about getting better each day. Yeah. Whatever that means for you, becoming more well-rounded as an individual, um, become, becoming more mentally fit, physically fit, becoming a better husband, wife, son, father, mother, daughter, friend, teacher, being better at your job. If you're not an athlete, being a better communicator overall, it's all the above. Right. It goes right back to our core values. Yeah. Mindfulness, um, which is, you know, being aware, gratitude, 
which is being able to appreciate the, the situation, the circumstances that you're in and accept things for how they are. Finding the, the bright spots in your life, whatever that may be. Which enables you to achieve balance. And then of course, integrity, um, which is the foundation of everything, you know, that's your, you know, your core values, you know, that's being accountable, you know, and true to yourself as well as true, true, true to others. Uh, it's about being reliable and consistent and, you know, and being dependable, right? Being a person that shows up on time and, and is ready and, and, and is capable, right? Competent to get the job done and prepared. Uh, and then to, you know, number four, confidence, right? This is, uh, this is something that, you know, for us is kind of really what, at the end of the day, mental fitness looks like in practice, right? You know, to, to the, you know, the observer, right? This is a, a confident person, right? A person who is, who's applying mental fitness at a high level for, for them, right? For what works for them as an individual, that presents an air of confidence, whether it's just kind of in everyday life or in performance. Um, and that confidence carries over right into dividends as far as performance, as far as, you know, production, right, as far as wins and, and as far as just generally becoming a better athlete, right? And then uh, rounding it out, of course, is communication, which is really kind of the glue, you know, that brings everything together. Um, you're communicating on a high level, both internally um, you know, and writing your thoughts down, journaling, uh, creating, you know, task lists and scheduling and planning, and, you know, keep yourself organized while also, uh, you know, talking with your teammates, talking with your coaching staff, communicating with your family, you know, your friends and kind of keep, kind of keep everybody in the loop um, and, and making sure that your feelings, your thoughts are being expressed and, and that you're also, you know, willing to, you know, to, to listen and be open to what others have to say, right? This is, you know, the communication cycle that's important. Yeah. I think that's important to emphasize is ties into with the confidence piece. You don't, when we say confidence, we're not meaning like cockiness or, or the sense of like bravado, like you can't do anything wrong, like your shit don't stink. It's, it's a confidence with being able to be vulnerable and realizing that maybe there are some weaknesses you have and using that communication piece to reach out to, to other people, whether it's teammates, coaches, family members, depending on what you're struggling with and asking for help and asking for assistance. And that also ties into the mindfulness and being self-aware. Um, so it all kind of intertwines together. And um, I don't want to go too long in this introduction. I want to get us into this episode, but today we're going to, we're going to, tie all this in obviously like we always do with the themes of nba playoffs are here nhl playoffs are here um hey it's a time of greatness you know playoffs is about that's where champions are made that's where the mental fitness kings if you will in queens raised to the top and we got the WNBA season just starting off sabrina and Eskew just popping off already with their the first triple double for the new york liberty can't forget about her we got greatness we have to uh, give a shout out to Brianna Stewart. Uh, she's the first WNBA player with her own signature shoe in the last decade. Oh shit! Uh, and only the tenth overall. 
So she left Nike, she signed with Puma, and uh, yeah, man, it's just very inspiring. Like, just so many great things happening. And um, Dude, Puma's making some plays. They man. really are. It's it's awesome. I remember watching Brianna Stewart at UConn. She dominated pretty much all four years. I'm pretty sure she won multiple national championships Absolutely. and on the seattle storm now which is one of the best teams they got sue bird just out there dominating these girls can ball yes these girls can ball it, it's fun to watch man i'm going to start paying a little bit more attention um you know my my girl is candace parker and she just switched, changed teams she's in chicago now so shout out to her good luck to her tennessee ball yeah, she is a great uh, commentator squad. yeah she has that oh yeah she show. works well on tuesday on nights yeah it's yeah, great. with Dwayne Wade and Shaq. Her yeah, and Shaq get into it. It's fun. She's like, she's almost like the Chuck version when it comes to because her and Shaq keep, go at it, kind of similar to how Chuck yeah. and Shaq go at it, which is <laughs> kind of fun. Uh, it is. But fun. today is, I mean, the NBA playoffs just started, so we just had fresh off that amazing play-in tournament, which I I enjoyed. So we're, let's just go ahead and jump into it because I want to I want to start talking about this stuff. Let's play that music. let's do it so let's start for let's let's talk a little bit about this pandemic is is light at the end of the tunnel 50 percent of adults are vaccinated mm-hmm. stadiums are opening up madison square garden was off the chain Fifteen thousand people in there to, to only have trey young shush them it's a lot of fun man i'm excited it's back but these guys i mean some of the things we're going to talk about today is there's still a lot of lingering effects from last season that are impacting that impacted this season and are impacting the playoffs and that has a lot to do with that shortened off season mm-hmm. indeed yeah no i mean um you can tell man it, it's it's been it's been a really weird season like a lot of a uh, lot more injuries a uh, lot more um you know I guess high profile dnps injuries. yeah just random dnps for yeah all kinds of different things but if it's not kind of COVID protocol, it's uh, just, you know, I guess those uh, kind of wear and tear injuries, which you have to, you have to think is probably because of the shortened off season. Right. And uh, it's a, it's a lot of, you know, physical. Yeah. Just for reference, NBA off season was 71 days for the Lakers and the heat, 131 days for any team that made the bubble, but didn't make the playoffs. Um, yeah. So that's like the Suns and the Pelicans. Um, and then it was almost 300 days for teams like the Knicks, Hawks, and Warriors, who, who at least made the play-in and are, are in the playoffs. Uh, so a very uh, wide range for teams that are currently still in the playoffs. Uh, but in mm-hmm. a normal offseason is around 150 days. So a team like the Lakers and the Heat, they had ha- less than half of that. And yeah. most teams yeah. – um, any team that made the playoffs also had less than that, a lot less than that. So that has to throw off the whole, like we know how routine, how much these, these athletes are into routines and they need their breaks because these are grueling seasons. Um, just for reference, the NHL offseason was only 107 days for teams that made the Stanley Cup and 160, depending on how far teams went in the bubble. And that was less than, that's a lot less than what they're normally used to. I mean, so for perspective, I mean, 71 days is just what, like 
two months and in, in, in a week and a half. There's some change, yeah. There's some change. So, man, I mean, I mean, that's that, less I mean, than uh, that's less than uh, like you know an academic summer. Yeah, like vacation, a summer break. Summer I mean, break. I'm I'm still a little envious of the fact that you can have two and a half months off your job. But as we know, like these guys, they're not taking those two and a half months off. And if they were, like I think a lot of players maybe back in the '90s would, and they'd come back into camp out of shape. But guys, these days it's a it's a 24 seven job for guys like LeBron who's sleeping in hyperbaric chambers and spending a million dollars on, on his, his physical fitness throughout the year. Um, but no, that's a huge difference for, for someone like LeBron, for someone like AD, um, for any of these guys. Yeah. The veteran teams, man, like, you know, you really had to feel sorry for those guys, you know, cause you're talking about wear and tear, you know, and like LeBron's case, he's been in the league 17 years. And, you know, you think about all the times that he's done, Olympic sports, Olympic competition. Um, mm-hmm. He's been in the playoffs just about every year he's been in the league. Yeah. So he probably has played more games than everyone else in the league. So he's the guy that's going to benefit the most from a lengthy offseason. Sure. Absolutely. But he's also the guy, and he, he kind of proved this in the bubble, that that can adjust his routine and can adjust kind of what he does because of his mental fitness game. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about that in nauseam. And, and I want to get to the specific injuries that have happened in the NBA, but, but there's been severe impacts on like soccer or football overseas. Um, the champions league finals coming up um, between Chelsea and Man City. And mm-hmm. let me just real quick about soccer. Cause we don't talk at a whole talk about it a whole lot on this show, but they already have yes, this. People, people usually start like, turning to other yeah. podcasts. Well, this will be, be a brief 90-second <laughs> clip here, but they have so many different leagues going. Like, Just take like an English soccer club like Chelsea or Man City or Leicester City. They have the Premier League, the Champions League, the FA Cup. I, I watched Chelsea play Man City one day in the Premier League, and then they play Man City in the Champions League final coming up within a span of two weeks, but they're totally separate competitions and then they played Leicester city in the FA cup. And then three days later, right. they played him in the, in the premier league, big implications on the line. Leicester city won the FA cup by beating Chelsea, but then Chelsea beat Leicester city, which caused them to fall out of the top four in the premier league. So they couldn't make the champions league the next year, which is a huge deal. So, and the soccer can schedule got constricted. So it definitely impacted them as well. Um, so yeah, that was me just talking about how crazy soccer is, and and then um, obviously the pandemic threw it. You know, speaking of how crazy soccer is, can I just say this about soccer? Like, none. This may have absolutely no bearing on anyone's life here in the United States, nor does anyone probably even care about this information. But they make a lot of money in soccer. That's one thing I can tell you. I looked at. I think it was Forbes had like a, a top 10 oh, yeah. uh, athlete income list for the year 2020. And like the, the top of the list, it wasn't LeBron James, okay? It, it wasn't, uh, you know, who's the top dog? It wasn't Tom Brady. Uh, you know, it wasn't, who's, who would say the top dog in baseball right now is? Trout. Trout, yeah, Mike Trout, okay? Like it was, a football player as in soccer player. So, um, what, but this year it wasn't. Ronaldo and Messi are always top three, top four, probably always top That's three. what I'm saying, but man. this like, year, 
this year, let, let me talk about this because this is my guy. This year was Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, UFC that's star. true. You're talking about two, is it, that's he, 2021, right? Or was that from yeah, 20? That's, that's the most recent one. The most Conor recent McGregor one, yeah. was in, I think, number four a few years ago when he fought Floyd Mayweather, who's been number one several times. Um, yeah. But this year it was Conor McGregor because he he made he only made I think twenty mil and, and he only fought once and made twenty mil, but he made one hundred and fifty mil selling his his whiskey. Um, so he topped the list at one hundred eighty wow. million. Okay, I, now that part I didn't know that that much of the money he made was as a result of his business deal. And it was a, there was a record for athletes who broke one hundred million, and two of them were soccer players: Cristiano Ronaldo right. and Leo Messi. And right. the fourth one is surprising probably to everyone, but it is a quarterback. Yeah. And it's a quarterback who didn't even really play last season. Dak Prescott. It goes to show you the, the value of the brand. And he happens to be the quarterback for the most uh, lucrative brand in America as far as professional sports is concerned. Um, if not the world, actually. I'd have to double check that, but that's yeah. They're I think they still might be the number one valued sports franchise. But Barcelona, Real Madrid are up there as well. Yeah, LeBron was number five, and he makes the majority of his money off the field, sixty-five million compared to thirty-one point five. But you had three professional soccer players in the top ten, which is the most representatives of any sport. So those guys, and they're making the majority of their money via their sports contracts, which is different from all the other athletes that are on this list. It's kind of interesting when you think about it, uh, how, how, how these negotiations could work in theory. Like if you're the owner, like Jerry Jones, or right, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, and you're sitting across the table from a guy like Dak Prescott, right, who's never even gotten you to a Super Bowl, they haven't, they haven't even made a conference championship. Right, that, that's, that immediately takes you out of the top five right in terms of nfl quarterbacks you have never made it to even a conference championship now you're sitting across the table from me and you're asking me to give you top dollar right top value for quarterbacks your peers your, your peer group for this position and yet not only are you not providing right in terms of winning you also are getting more money than any other athlete in the world. Are you kidding me? Like, is it because of my brand? Get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah, please take that I mean, out. But geez, like, it's a unique me? situation. <laughs> yeah. It's a unique situation because he, he had that contract extension. So he got all this, he got a signing bonus and, and all this guaranteed money. So he, he won't crack that top 10 again unless he gets his endorsements up, which if he gets the Cowboys to the playoffs because I don't I don't think he's made the playoffs well but what I'm saying is that there was a negotiation a lengthy negotiation leading up to this most recent signing right and it, and it was a great deal for him but there was you know I was kind of you know uh keeping I, I mean I, I obviously I'm not an insider or anything like that but um you know I listened to to various writers talk about the the negotiation process and and how you know my my guy which i you know listen i get it if i'm in Dak's position i'm i'll probably do the same thing so i'm not judging i'm just saying it's tough right it's a tough sell and and hats off to him for getting the deal done it's a tough sell 
to ask for top value as a quarterback, you know, in that position when you haven't produced on that level. And like I said, you're already benefiting in other ways from being quarterback for that, for that team. Yeah. Right. So I think ways. quarterbacks just such an odd thing. Cause the amount of money they get, it, it goes up each time. So each time one of these franchise quarterbacks in it and the Cowboys deemed him to be a franchise quarterback and he was playing damn well before the injury, he's going to get that top dollar regardless, just because that's the market. You have guys in the top 10, like Kirk Cousins making 33 million a year, Carson Wentz making 32 million a year, Jerry Goff making 33 million a year. What are you talking about when you say the market? Are you talking about – Anytime a a, a player, an NFL quarterback that's deemed to be a franchise quarterback is up for a contract, he's going to demand more money than anyone else has previously demanded. Okay, and, and that's what I'm talking about. That market is the market that confuses me. Because I, I understand some what, what that, that type of market principle based on the fact that I've bought property before, right? I bought houses before. So, you know, in the real estate game, you know, typically once a house in a, in a neighborhood sells, whatever that dollar amount is, that value, that's going to have an influence on all of the other homes in that neighborhood, right? In terms of being comparable. Mm-hmm. So every all homes appreciate by comparison. So I do understand the principle. Nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, it's still it's, it's still one of these things. I've been uh, a buyer and gone into different, into different homes, different properties, and you know what I what I would notice is that the last home that sold in that neighborhood that you know established the comparable value, right? that sometimes is a much higher quality property than the one that I'm visiting at that moment, right? It might, they might've built an extra bedroom or, 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 or finished the basement, or they have like brand new floors and a brand new bathroom and brand new appliances. Well, the, right? the fact that, that that better house is off the market makes the, the lesser house more valuable. Well, here's the thing. Um, if, if the comparable home is you know top of the line in terms of quality and the one that you're in let's call, let's call patrick mahomes who signed a contract roughly the same time and the one that you're visiting that's on the market still is of is, is still like not completely finished you know in certain areas and not up to date not to speed work in progress you still you, you still you know even though your home will appreciate in value it's not going to be the same, right? You know, it's you not hope. going to sell for the same amount. It might sell for like, let's say 10,000 under. It's going to be close probably um, because of the comparable. So I understand, like if you're DAC, you're saying, hey, you know, my guy, uh, you know, in, in, in New Orleans got X, you know, and Mahomes got 40, Mahomes got 45 million per year. Dak is roughly around 40 million per year. Okay. Right. So Dak's number, number two, 1 million ahead of Deshaun Watson. And they all kind of signed their, their contracts within a year or two of each other. See, now this is interesting, right? Because Patrick Mahomes, I, you know, he's the, he's clearly the best quarterback in the league in, in, in overall value, right? Uh, he's basically he's, he's, he's youth, right? Uh, so he has that long-term value. And obviously his athleticism, his competitiveness, his leadership, 
and the fact that he's proven that he can win. He's already proven he's a, as a established tracker. He's won a Super Bowl. So I understand why he would be the the top value guy. But you know, I, I can't understand why anybody would assume that that they would be you know near that guy in value unless they're producing on that level. That's just my that's my only. Point. I know, but that, that but um, once again, look at the top ten here: Ryan Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff. That's six of the top ten guys that have never won a Super Bowl. And Matt Ryan's signing guaranteed money at signing was just a half million less than what Dak got when he signed his contract a few years before. So, right, and so that's and so that's what brings to bear this whole notion of the Dallas brand because the Dallas brand is a function of Jerry Jones, right, and his business acumen that you know has been developed over decades now. And and what I'm saying is, you sit down and you're like, okay, I understand Matt Ryan in Atlanta, Georgia, is making this. But Matt Ryan is, you know, is going to be benefiting uh, at about 10% the rate of what you are based on the value of that brand and the endorsement deals he would get from that brand, that company, and that company affiliation versus the one you, you get here in Dallas. So I'm not worried about Matt Ryan. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not a conversation that we can really have. It's well, like comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, let's switch the conversation a little bit. to You, you speak about Dallas Cowboys being the biggest, if not the biggest brand in, in sports uh, across the world. Dak Prescott, before the season, mentioned after his brother's death that he himself struggled with depression, struggled with suicidal thoughts. And there was people like Skip Bayless and different sports talking heads spewing kind of the nonsense of and, uh, that I don't want my quarterback to be talking about his mental health problems. And that makes him kind of soft and that it, that could that affect his leadership abilities to be kind of vulnerable like that? And Skip Bayless is a huge Cowboys fan. He's the one talking about that. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about that, about how Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, not only that didn't only affect them because he had that mental health struggle, an injury and a devastating knee injury during the season that we don't know how he's going to come back yeah, from that, that's true. but he started the season off strong. So it looks like he bounced back fine from the, or is working through that with those mental health struggles. So you got a guy with mental health and physical health struggles, and the Dallas Cowboys trusted him enough to give him second biggest contract in the history of football. That's a, a fascinating turn of events. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that's all I can say. Um, I, I was of the opinion. I think opinion, that's reassuring. Well, I, it, it is reassuring. It is reassuring. I was of the opinion that um, that was definitely going to hurt his value. You know, I, I did think that it would be considered a distraction. Why? Well, because that's how the, that's the traditional mindset, you know, of professional sports organizations is that these kinds of things are distractions. And I just think it's tremendous. It, it's a it's a tremendous relief, actually, and just a tremendous victory for mental health that they were still willing to invest in DAC uh, at a high level uh, in spite of making that revelation it's almost like they see they they saw it as uh as him being someone you know that was you know kind of a social impactful leader 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 of a social cause a you know a health related cause you know and, and understanding that that's bigger than football you know, yeah he's i think 
all that aside though and jerry jones at the end of the day is a businessman that's why the cowboys are worth so much money yeah i think you look at that as a sign of of mindfulness a sign of self-awareness from your quarterback to be able to yeah in in confidence and gratitude to be able to open up to be aware that you're struggling with depression too since your brother passed away to verbalize that and articulate that have the confidence to be vulnerable in that moment and then also to go out there and start the season really well and, and play this game that shows gratitude that shows appreciation for your job and and, and for the 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 good things you have in your life. And maybe it's, it's easy to be appreciative that you're the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. But I think that it probably is just Jerry Jones management probably saw that like this guy is mentally fit. This guy is mentally tough. Let's we've seen him play on the field and it's been good to, to this point. And maybe it hasn't been great. Maybe he hasn't put the team on his back. That team has had a lot of issues defensively, um, but he's put up numbers. And they're banking on the fact that this guy's mentally tough, mentally fit, even though he had this gruesome knee injury, leg injury, I think it was ankle, I don't, whatever it was, it was, it was all over the place. He's going to come back from that because he's resilient, because he's mentally fit. Indeed. And they put their money where their mouth was and amen, let's go. <laughs> yeah. No, indeed. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's great. And I, I think uh, Dak, I, I think Dak is going to come back um, better than ever. And you don't sound like you're sold on Dak as physical play. Right. No, well, yeah. I, when I say better than ever, I, I mean in terms of just his well being as a, as a man, as a, a person. Supposed to have 95 million in the bank. All of that, all that being considered, right? He's just going to come back, I think, uh, in a really good place. But the biggest thing, is having the support, the moral support. It's like a moral victory. The support of the team, the support of the organization, you know, the whole nine. And the money is just kind of a representation of that. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, that's the part that is gonna, I think, really fuel him because, you know, knowing that these people, you know, ha has, has his back, I think it's just gonna really be a huge source of of enthusiasm and gratitude to really kind of give his all. Yeah. But I think, you know, you can give your all, but sometimes you know, your best isn't necessarily going to be enough. Um, that's what I see is probably being the case here. I mean, you have some, some other quarterbacks in this league and other teams in this league, frankly, that I think just are better uh, overall than Dak. Yeah, but you can't, it's not like you can, get those guys so you have like what are you going to do not exactly no that's what no, I, gonna I, pay you're right you're right I, i'm not saying what i'm telling you i think that for what they need right now in that locker room that city and obviously jerry jones has his pulse on what this team needs and what the city needs is that is that prescott it's not always about winning the super bowl right it's sometimes it's about like i said it's, it's bigger than football i mean sometimes it's about the leader that we need right now yeah and let's not forget like that was in limbo he lay he took the franchise tag didn't sign it the mega deal took the franchise tag risked risked it by doing that and he blew his knee out but they still rewarded him so he took the ultimate risk and let's that's refreshing to me to have an athlete and 
and this isn't right for everyone like transparency and being open but i would hope in the future that everyone could be open and get kind of that support that Dak got he must have kept everyone in the loop he must have had good communication with with the cowboy staff and contrast that to someone like Kyrie Irvin, who's who has talked about having kind of some mental health struggles. I think that's the most he's ever put it, but he kind of like randomly left left the Nets without it really telling anyone why twice during the season. Um, and I think it's refreshing when athletes are in better communication with the people around them, even though a lot, some people would say, oh, like that's none of your business. That's it's a personal issue. But ultimately, if you're able to to connect with your teammates, your employers, your coaches, your GM, your president, your owner. That's a support staff you should be able to take advantage of. Absolutely, man. For sure. So um, we, we really, since we, we started the conversation today talking about the NBA and the high injury rate associated with the shortened off season uh, and you know, on and on and on. I mean, probably the stress from the pandemic and everything going on. It would be remiss, we would be remiss if we do not talk about resilience, right? Because resilience is really, um, for us, what all this is really about, right? It's trying to become more resilient. It's trying to, to have a, an ability to, to bounce back from adversity uh, understanding that adversity is going to come, right? It's just going to be a part of the experience, it's part of the growth process. But with mental fitness, uh, we can actually develop a, a kind of like a, a strength, you know, uh, a toughness and a, and a flexibility when it, when it comes to dealing with these things that, that may be distractions or setbacks. Yeah. So there's a lot of NBA players that have suffered setbacks this year and the, the highest profile player like LeBron James had the high ankle sprain and he missed more games than he ever has in his career. He missed 22 games because of the high ankle sprain. Right. And he just came back right before the playoffs. He, I think he played one game and then sat out a couple more and he's looked rusty today. Uh, he, they, he hit that, that three pointer. It's a, the, from deep to, to, to knock out off the warriors, but Ooh, they were fortunate to get that game. And Absolutely. you have his his go-to guy, Anthony Davis, who had the Achilles tendon calf issue. He missed 30 games. Um, and him, so him, AD, and LeBron only played 27 games together. And we talked about before, they had the long, shortest offseason out of any team, along with the Heat. So had to, something to do with that short offseason, exerting themselves in the bubble. Um, and now they're in this position where, they've only played 27 games together this season, only a handful of games since they've came back from injury. And, and they really haven't looked good, you know, like really great for like more than one or two games in a row. Like I, I haven't really seen a stretch the entire season since the beginning of the yeah, season. Yeah, LeBron like was, really was him and Joel, he yeah. was probably leading the uh, MVP discussion when Joel Embiid went down, so. Yeah. Exactly. And since he went down, it really has never been that same kind of momentum. Yeah. Right. And let, let me just put this out there is like, I'm not concerned about LeBron James's ability to, to play well during the playoffs. Oh, I no. think even him at whatever, 75% or so, he's still going to be someone who's going to be impactful in one games. Like he, he won that Warriors game after he had a pretty miserable first half. 
I'm more, I'm more, I would be more so, I have more of a, the kind of the microscope on it, on Anthony Davis to see how he comes back and plays in these playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, last year in the bubble, the, the Lakers, they really hit their stride at a certain point you could tell that team was so connected, especially like defensively, you know, Dwight and, and Rondo and, and, and JaVale. And it, it was just really great to watch. I mean, they look like champions out there. And then AD definitely fed off that energy and he rose to the occasion. I mean, you know, in many ways he was neck and neck with LeBron for finals MVP mm-hmm. for a while there. He had some game winners there mm-hmm. in the bubble. He did. And, uh, and so I think everyone expected that that was going to carry over into this season that he would sort of assume the mantle uh, from LeBron as far as being the leader of the team, leading scorer. He's already obviously leading, lead, leading rebounder, but just more of a playmaker. Just a guy that was just kind of able to kind of take over defensively and, and offensively and take some load off of LeBron. And that did not happen this season at any point in time, like even the early part of the season. Um, and, and now that we're in the playoffs uh, at the time when that would be needed the most to have that co-captain that's now primed and ready to be the leader throughout the playoffs, that's, that doesn't seem like it's going to be the, the case. So LeBron will once again have to take on that responsibility of, of leading this team you know, through if they're going to have a chance. Yeah, which I personally, I don't think it'll be enough unless AD gets back to that form in the bubble. And here's another thing, like he's coming back from the injury. He hasn't played a whole lot of games. The other wrinkle I want to throw in there is maybe during the bubble, maybe that was an exception to, to uh, I mean, we, we, all, we all know Anthony Davis is, is, can do pretty much anything on the basketball court, but we hadn't seen it come to fruition in the playoffs. I mean, he had one series win against, against the Blazers. Um, when he was with the Pelicans, but other than that, kind of some early flameouts um, or not even making the playoffs. But he came alive in the bubble. No fans. You have LeBron James. And arguably could have been the MVP last year, finals MVP. So you, you're not the, the lead guy. You still have that safety blanket of LeBron, and you have the safety blanket of, all right, I'm in this bubble for like however many months straight. I'm in the zone. There's like literally no distractions down there. Um, if you're able to focus in and you got obviously LeBron, the mental fitness King, they're kind of probably guiding him along the way. Now with things open back up with more distractions, with the injury, with fans back, they're the, the seven seeds. So they're going to have to go on the road every single series. That's a lot more kind of external stressors or whatever you want to call them that AD has to contend with. And maybe LeBron's not hundred percent. So he's not going to be, at that same level so you don't have maybe a, as strong of a safety blanket you're coming off your own injury i don't know if I, I we'll see i'm interested to see if he can show the resilience and he can rise to that same level he rose to during the bubble because if he does then i think the like the lakers are still the favorite at least to win the west if lebron and ad can play at the levels they did in the bubble yeah i mean that's a really big if um but yeah I, it the thing that's tough if you, if, and people were saying well, this Lakers team was better to start the year. Right. The thing that's it's tough is this. Um, greatness, at least as defined by basketball greats, legends like Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, you know, 
multiple guys with multiple championships, you know, where they were, you know, absolutely the number one guy and alpha dog on that team. It's, it's really about how much you're willing to sacrifice. That's what it, if you want to boil it down to one simple phrase, it's very difficult to do that. I, I mean, but if you had to, it really comes down to what you're willing to sacrifice. That's what builds resilience. It's about the investment, right? It, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's about what you're willing to give up, what you're willing to do, right? How far you're willing to go in order to achieve that victory, right? That that's what it is. And with AD, I know this time and time again. And I'm, you know, I'm, I've never met the guy. I've never talked to him. I, I you know, I. But so I, this is in no way a diagnosis. I'm just saying that one thing I do see, which is apparent, is an unwillingness to make the full commitment, right? So even in the beginning, when he first took the job, you know, first signed on with the Lakers. He made it clear, if I'm asked to be uh, the, at the five position, I'll do it, but it's definitely not something I really want to be doing. And yet time and time again, I see situations where when he's in that position on the court, the Lakers are playing winning basketball. So that tells me that if he's not at this stage willing, right, without having to be asked, to put himself in that position, whatever his team needs, and if he doesn't have that enthusiasm, right, to do what is needed, right? Not like, okay, I'll do it if I'm asked, but like, all right, my team needs me, like, let's go. I'm gonna get down there and bang. Then, you know, that's the difference right there. That margin Mm -hmm. of difference is what separates the alphas from the others, right, is, that enthusiasm and that drive to do whatever it takes, whatever the team needs. Right. Yeah. And I, I, and what you're saying, it's already been set in stone at this point with regards to to how he's going to perform this playoffs because it, it, it started after they won the championship. Did he let his foot off the gas pedal? Was he not focusing in on the things he needed to do in the, the shortened off season? Was he not getting in the gym, shooting free throws, shooting three-pointers? Was he not taking care of his body and his mind? Because right now, he he was at a career-high 84-plus 80, percent free-throw shooter last year. This year, career-worst, 71%. So he's – that's a, what, 13 14% drop in free-throw shooting. It's tremendous. And and uh, it's, it's something you can't ignore because – if you, you know, I, I used to, I used to collect baseball, basketball, and football cards, player cards. I don't know if these things even exist anymore, but there used to be these little, uh, I don't know, what, four by three inch kind of like, uh, like oh, yeah. thin cardboard, <laughs> literally. Wait, you're talking about trading cards. Trading cards, yeah. Oh, there's a huge, oh, those are making a comeback. Oh, there's so many, oh, wow. If you have a, if you have a rookie card right now, you Dude, I used to have it all. Money. Luca Doncic's cards are going and up. Just like a lot of people, you, you lose track of this stuff. I used to have a big binder just full. Bust them out, so did I. Classic. classic inserts of every type, you know, everything. And, you know, I had a Wilt Chamberlain card. I mean, you know, that I, I got from my stepdad and, you know, just stuff like that. Um, anyway, uh, 
these these things you know i used to keep track of the statistics uh you know on the on the back of these things as just like something i just like to do i used to look at stats i used to just study stats i used to look at box scores and things like that as a kid weird stuff anyway uh one thing i remember very very clearly um was how rare it was to see certain stats shift year to year right some stats shifted substantially year to year like batting average right it just it was very kind of all over the place with a lot, a lot of guys even though they were the same team same situation it could be like a 10 point 20 point 30 point shift year to year in the batting average and i would say less variation but somewhat in field goal percentage year to year free throw percentages tended to be pretty stable right like the exception being the guy that essentially like has to has to improve or else they'll probably lose their spot you know shooting like 50 yeah. you know 60 percent or something like that just needing to get into an nba average range but you know it's like typically an 85 percent shooters free throw shooter is going to be an 85 percent you know a 90 percent is going to be a 7 80 percent you know that's where he was right? last like, year. He was 85 you see it just consistently you know and if this changes it's like going to be one percentage point two percentage point three percentage points year to year but you never ever see under normal circumstances like 10 20 point drops uh in field goal percentage or in free throw percentage excuse me like you just never see that like that's not a thing like you you see the opposite for guys that are just, you know, his types historically bad free throw percentages, like Andre Drummond, right? But with with guys that are just sort of in the 80s, you almost never see these like precipitous like 15 point drops. Yeah. That's there, there's no way you can account for that with an injury or with a physical ailment, right? There's just no way. Yeah, and I think in his three-point percentage is down from 33% to 26%. And I have his stats up right now. So his free throw percentage is the lowest it's ever been this year. Right. In his, in his whole career, even going back to his rookie year. And there's funny, there he shot like, in three of his last seasons with New Orleans, he shot 80%, 83%, jumped down to, went down to 79% his last year with New Orleans when he won it out. And then bumps all the way up to mm. close to eighty-five percent with the Lakers, and now he's back. He's back. Wow! <laughs> so, I mean, it's a small sample size, but it yeah, is... these trends are oh, just no. interesting to look at. But I'm looking forward to seeing how he does. And uh, I, that's the thing; it's like he, the work you were talking about earlier that needs to be done has already been done, or it hasn't. And there's no, there's no playing catch up now. Like, so that, that, that sh magical shooting touch isn't going to all of a sudden come back in the playoffs. Um, you know, so I, just because we're on the topic, I, fi I figure we should probably talk about this, the free throw, right? The, the scenario of the free throw. It's a very interesting statistic because by comparison to probably all other statistics, at least the standard statistics, which are what, like the nine or 10, like, field goal percentage three pointers made you know rebounds points assists steals blocks you know, all that stuff like the stuff you you think about in fantasy sports right um i would say free throw percentage is going to be the one that would be maybe most indicative as a single stat right the single stat 
of where someone may be with their mental fitness. And the only reason why I say that is because that's kind of the one distinct, distinctively, that's like a non gameplay, like, like action, you know, kind of, uh, of stat where it's just you, it's just kind of just you, right, where you're not like just doing the stereotyped stuff that you did in practice, where right? we were just executing in, in the flow of the game, right. In the rhythm of the game, which a lot of times kind of like almost automatic, you know, for a professional athlete, you know, you have to be on the floor, you know, you know, you have to be, and you just kind of are there and you put up the, the ball and you're just kind of in the zone, right. Uh, focused, but but when that, you know, the, the, the whistle is blown by the ref, right, and gameplay is stopped and you're now like out of rhythm and like all eyes on, all you. Eyes on you. And especially, especially in situations where it's like, you know, like late game, close game, you know, hard fought and it's a high stakes scenario, like, you know, your mind's going to start working in ways that it certainly would never be operating in, in gameplay. Cause in gameplay, you're focused on, you know, what you got kind of going on. But at this point, the noise inside your head, the distractions are going to be at an all time high. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of manufacture your own flow state in that situation. It's based off kind of muscle memory and the, and the practice you've done versus like in the game, you're, you're running, you're sprinting, you're, you're breathing and, and you got to check your man or you got to worry about all your these, co your coaches yelling at you and, you know, yeah. this and that, and you're, you're listening to your, you know, probably the, whatever it, the floor it, tests, it kind of tests that mental fortitude because you are, you are inside your head. So you got to go back to whatever routine or, or, or mental fitness or like take the deep breath, take the certain number of dribbles. It's very repetitive. Breathing. They're always breathing. Right. Have you noticed when they sit, you know, they had their kind of ritual, they all have a ritual. Yep. Like their own like number of bounces uh, and, and, you know, the way they kind of palm the ball, the way they kind of spin the ball, it's all very, you know, ritualized. And you can tell that they're, they're trying to get, like you said, into rhythm, they're trying to get into a flow into their, their mental fitness routine. Yeah. I'm interested to see how the Lakers do with AD and LeBron. Obviously I'm interested to see a lot of these different players, but there's other high profile players that got injured this year. Donovan Mitchell for the number one seed of jazz. He had a, also a high ankle sprain and he's missed 16 plus games. Um, already missed the first, first game of the playoffs where they lost to the Grizzlies. His backcourt mate, Mike Conley, uh, he missed nine games with a hamstring injury and he just came back a couple games before the playoffs started. So, the thing I've noticed about these guys, and I want to spend a little bit a moment on this, is I've seen them all, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, on the sidelines doing the jazz games, coaching up the players. I, I, was, I saw some quotes uh, saying that they're, they've been really engaged, they're communicating, not with just, just the players, but also the assistants. And players like Jordan Clarkson has preached, who vaulted into the starting lineup, sixth man of the year, by the way, talking about Absolutely. how he congratulations yeah he was joking about how intense Mitchell was that he was like staying engaged even when the team wasn't around and Mitchell was still coaching and he it's and it's just funny it's these that's infectious I think for their teammates and I think that may pay dividends for this jazz team and it already has shown with Jordan Clark's play that they might be better off if if Donovan Mitchell and Conley can come back and play healthy that them being kind of de facto coaches, cheerleaders on the sidelines have given these backup guys and these role players mm -hmm. 
more confidence. Yeah. Not only more more playing time, more confidence, but more confidence because they now they have a second set of eyes on the on the sidelines for them. Um, so, and, and just to piggyback off that Jordan Clarkson's talked about how he's grateful for that opportunity to have that learning experience. Yeah. So, oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking forward to seeing the jazz make a little bit of a run. Hey, we'll see. Absolutely. I mean, listen, having a, a, a great second unit, you know, is it just, it's so valuable. It's, it, I mean, there's no, there's no price tag. There's no price you can pay for that because especially for a team like the jazz, right? Exactly. It doesn't have the, the, the multiple superstars and stuff like that. It, it's, it's super important because when those guys go onto the bench um, and they, they have to get their, their rest, you want, you have to be able to kind of hold down the fort. I mean, any, any championship team is going to have to be able to do that. And, you know, usually what happens is you, you got to keep, you know, one of your better players on the court, with the second unit, you know, in order to make that go well, but Hey, I mean, they have an entire bench fleet, you know, guys, like you said, Jordan Clarkson that can get it done that you can trust. So you can leave your starters in, you know, intact. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. So it's great. just a brief talk about hockey of Genny Malkin from my Pittsburgh Penguins. He had a lower body injury because they don't specify injuries in the NHL. He missed 23 games. He just came back starting the second game of their series with the Islanders scored his first goal last game. Hopefully they can make it out of this first round. We've had several players not only have injuries, but have been, let's not forget about people being held out for COVID protocol. So there's been pl- several players like on the Washington Capitals who, who were out for COVID protocol actually got suspended. They ended up getting taken out in the first round by the Bruins. We got several players in, um, the NBA who had to sit out for the COVID protocol. Karis LeVert was in protocol for the Pacers. He missed their play in games. They end up getting bounced by the Washington Wizards. We have Jason Tatum. He not he didn't have COVID protocol. He had COVID. And he got it back in February. And he mentioned that just one month ago, he was still using an inhaler before games to help with the after effects of getting COVID. So this is another issue we have. We have uh, one of the best most biggest rising UFC stars, um, Kamza Kimaev, 26-year-old, undefeated, 170-slash-185-pounder, 3-0 and in 2020, was set to fight a contender and then maybe get a title shot. He had COVID. He had to get hospitalized. He had a prolonged recovery. He had to have a surgery. I think he would, maybe was intubated at one point. He tried to come back too soon for oh a fight, God. got punched in the mouth, went home, and was spitting in his hit his blood in the sink, talked about retiring. Um, that was six months after his COVID diagnosis. He's healthy and back and, and says he's, he's ready to fight at the end of the year. But man, that's, I got to, that's why I, that's why I had to get that vaccine. Um, because I, I had to say to myself, like, wow, there's something about this, this, this disease, this infection that, I just don't want to be a part of, man. There's, there's, you know, even after... You don't want to roll the dice. Well, the thing is, a lot of people thought, okay, well, especially younger folks, if I'm asymptomatic, right, in, in the acute phase, which is like immediately after being infected by the virus, that kind of 14-day window they would always talk about, if, if I'm asymptomatic, you know, so I'm not, I don't have the fever, I don't have the cough, I don't have the chills, I don't have the flu-like symptoms then I'm good, right? And, and I think a lot of people are almost like thinking, well, why do I need the, the vaccine if I can just be 
asymptomatic, right? <laughs> I could just get the virus, be asymptomatic, and then I'll be immune, right? Well, not exactly, right? Like not so fast because it, apparently there's all these long-term lingering effects that uh, are kind of unaccounted for. Like we can't even really account for and no one seems to really have a true handle on that are affecting even like professional athletes on a high level. Like it's a big deal, man. Yeah. And it's people like, yeah, Jason Tatum, um, Kamsat Kimaev. These are elite level athletes with the best lung functioning. And people say it's like the risk is small for a healthy young person to, to have severe illness, but there's still risk and there still has been, several thousands of young individuals dying from this disease. And for me, it's like getting the vaccine. Like we all got shot up with vaccines when we were kids. Like we're fine. We don't have measles. We don't have mumps. We don't have polio. We're good. So there's very minimal risk to getting a vaccine. And, and these mRNA vaccines are, are what most infectious disease experts, virologists believe are the new technology vaccines are going to be safer and more effective. Um, so I'd much rather take my risk getting a vaccine, which there's pretty much no risk to getting COVID where there is a risk of having not only a short-term illness, but possible long-term illness as well. So no brainer for me. Man, that makes me feel like we need to have another coping with COVID episode. We got to get get those vaccine numbers up. One more episode to to bring it all home. We'll bring on Dr. Raymond Eunice. (laughs) (laughs) We may may have to, but all in all, I think... We want to bring this up today because this is like a, an episode about resilience and how do you kind of create that momentum again after these after this year of of the pandemic and we're in the playoffs of nba and nhl and, and there's still lingering effects from from last year and it's interesting to see what happens with with some of these teams and some of these players did you want to give any predictions for the nba we did it last year yeah why not man um so uh, I'll keep it brief. A lot of people have picked Brooklyn, um, and it makes perfect sense, right? You have three future Hall of Famers in their prime on the same team at the same time. There's no other team in the league right now that has that level of talent. I mean, there may not ever have been a team in the, that's ever existed with this level of talent. So easy to, to, to easy pick to make in some ways, but I'm not going to make that pick because as a fan uh, of the NBA for as long as I have been, and I've seen probably every playoff series for the last 35 years, man, I, there's one thing that's, that pretty much seems to hold true. Defense wins championships and, you know, team cohesiveness, team chemistry and you know the kind of in like I would say the integration of high level team chemistry with a, a leader like that's like a known and established leader with high level defense that seems to be the right combination um, and most of the time most of the time there's also a coach I see where you're going with this that's highly connected to at least you know the alpha at least the number one you know uh in that group and you know 
that seems to be the formula, right? If, if I've seen very few situations where that was not the case. And, and so my prediction actually is barring injury, it, it, you know, that's just one of these disclaimers that the Lakers will repeat this year. Um, and even though, yes, I, I so you, are you getting Lakers over Nets? Um, I'm not, I'm not certain the Nets are going to make it out of the East, to be honest. Uh, well, you gotta give me your, who, who are the Lakers? Beating? Okay. So, and how many games? This is tough, but, uh, you know, I, I really do want to, to choose, um, I want to choose Milwaukee because I really do love that team. I, there's something about that team. They kind of remind me a little bit of like the Utah Jazz back in the day, back in the 90s. Um, Carmelo and John Stockton. The Carmelo team. Just because, you know, it's sort of the, I don't want to say the little engine that could, but obviously small market. And, um, but, you know, they, they have, a, you know, just a great, I think a, a lot of really good people in that organization. I really think I just like the organization. I like the players. I think they're all like good people. You know, Drew Holiday, Giannis, um, obviously Chris Middleton. They're guys you you want to root for. They play the right way. They're built the right way. They have all the elements that I sort of mentioned of a championship team. But there's a fundamental flaw with with Giannis, and not in terms of anything about him as a as a person or a player, but something about I think um, because of just the way that, you know, frankly, his style of play and kind of what he's unable to do because of his lack of, you know, his inability to stretch the floor and the way that team is constructed, uh, unless Chris Middleton can really become that guy, that kind of go-to guy. Big shot in game one. He did, but unless he can really completely embody like that true number two, you know, that like solid, solid number two, like Scotty Pippen, you know, level, then they just, it's just not, it's not enough. It's just not going to be enough. Um, I think he has potential, but maybe not necessarily. Like if you could put Drew, Hill, Drew Holiday's mindset into Chris uh, Middleton, if you could put Drew Holiday's mindset into Chris Middleton, I think they would have something. But um, anyway, so I actually think Miami could be the team that, that makes it back. Ooh, even though they're down 2-0? Yeah, I, I know that they are down 2-0. Um, but they're, they're going back home, right, to Miami. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, you know that's, you know that's not going to be a, a, a sweep. That, Miami's definitely going to get at least two or three in that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and... Uh, so anyway, I like Miami and the Lakers and the Lakers to, okay. to bring it home again. Interesting. All right. I mean, not, not surprising that you have the Lakers. It's hard. This is difficult for me, more difficult than last year. I think last year was for me, it was either going to be Lakers or Clippers and I didn't want to pick the Lakers. Um, this year in the East, I'll start with them. I, I think I'm with you. I don't think the Nets – are going to get out of the Eastern Conference. Obviously, it wouldn't surprise me, but I just see the teams like Philadelphia or Milwaukee being more well-rounded. It's kind of toss-up between those two. I really want to root for 
Giannis to make that leap, take it to the next level. Like you said, I think they have, they built a great culture. They brought in Drew Holiday. But at the end of the day, I don't know if that's going to be enough. I, I, I think I'm, I'm going to take Philadelphia out of the East. And then, man, I'm, com- I'm coming up for different ways of how not to pick the Lakers. I want to pick the Clippers, but I feel like the, the Suns, even though they got game one, they're a bad matchup for the Lakers because they have no big men. And if AD start, picks it up and LeBron's LeBron, they're going to beat them. And then who do they have in the second round? Either the the Nuggets without their second best player, or the Blazers, and we've seen them beat both those teams. So, and then what? The Jazz, the Clippers, or the or the Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. Maybe the I I would be interested to see. I think the Jazz for me would be a team that maybe can push them, but um, I haven't seen Donovan Mitchell come back. I don't know how gritty uh. Rudy's going to be, especially if they, uh, if he's guarding AD, AD is just going to take it out of the paint. So I'm going to have to go with Lakers and I'll, I'll do Lakers 76ers and uh, I'll have the, I think whoever wins the East is going to win the, the finals. So I'm going to go 76ers. That would be a, <laughs> a huge surprise. And, you know, here's the thing I, I always think about um, when it comes down to like, who's going to be crowned the champion in basketball more so than any other sport. I'm not betting against LeBron in the finals. I'll tell you All that. I'm saying is that more so than any other sport that I've seen basketball, the final outcome and who's crowned champion. It goes to the team that has the best player, right? The most talented and just best player. And it's not necessarily like, the best player like that year or whatever. Right. But it's like, who was the best player in that series? You know, who just played the best. Um, and uh, it's just really difficult for me to see in seven, like over the course of seven games, I certainly think that any player can be better than LeBron James, not any player, but any of the top players on most of these teams can be the, best player on the floor in one night, even against LeBron James, whether that's Donovan Mitchell, whether that's Kevin Durant, whether that's Giannis, you know, whatever, whoever it is. But I don't believe that over the course of seven games, there's any team in the league who is going to be able to produce the best player, uh, the best performer, four games, you know, over the course of four games, you know, in a seven game series, I just, you know, when, when playing against LeBron James for what I've seen, right, the eye test uh, and what he can do, what he is capable of on the court, there are very few players that have ever played the game that had that kind of impact. And there's probably only really one player I'd say in the league today who has, other than LeBron James, who has that kind of impact, and that's Steph Curry, right? Where they can completely take over the game. Now, it's not the same. They take over the game in completely different ways. Um, Obviously, with Steph, it's just his movement and his shooting ability, um, his, his speed. LeBron, it's his power, it's his strength, it's his playmaking, it's court vision. Um, in his freight train, 
you know, ability, which is that just sort of burst that speed burst that like running backs have against the lane, like that cat-like just, you know, kind of um, leaping ability and, and all of that, those special superpowers that they have combined with their high basketball IQ enable them to completely take over. And it's like, when you see it, it's like, oh my God, like these guys are taking over this game, right? And they can do it every night and, and they, they can pretty much do it against any other opponent, right? They just, and, and I, until I can see another person that consistently has that ability, um, yeah. then it's hard for me to bet against LeBron. KD has the talent, but I've never seen it put together like a four game stretch over their seven yeah. game series I think where he's that dude. It's going to be interesting. I think that it's, it's going to so much matter about matchups this year, because I do think the Lakers match up well with pretty much any team in the West. Um, I think the Clippers probably match up against them the best. I think they're pretty much built to beat the Lakers, but they, I don't, they, they can't keep up with teams like right now, the Mavericks or the Nuggets last year. So I think if somehow the Clippers can get to the, Western Conference Finals, they could probably beat the Lakers, but I don't trust PG in those situations. It's, it, there's so many variables. I, I'm still, even though the Lakers are banged up, even though AD's not right, yeah. I think you're right that LeBron James and, and the, the types of matches they have in the West, they're gonna they they'll probably make the finals. And then the East, maybe the maybe the Nets are the team that can beat the Lakers because. They don't necessarily have to bang with their big guys. They can just outshoot them. And KD doesn't need to have four dominant games. He could have two, and Harden can have one, and Kyrie can have one, and that would be enough. So I think either way, I think whatever team comes out of the East is going to be probably the biggest threat to the Lakers and the team that's probably, I think, going to beat the Lakers at the end of the day because I don't think – I don't see AD – rising to the level of play he had last year so i don't see the lakers winning a title winning back to back no you, yeah, LeBron you gave your prediction game. on on the record you, you like philly um oh, no that's all good and listen in order for that to happen in order for that to happen in order for that to happen which is a pot it's entirely possible right i'm, I'm giving this to you uh joel I'm, I'm taking the field if you're going lakers the field i'm taking the field joel mb is going to have to become a different guy. So we're going to need to yeah. see this metamorphosis happen. And it's not going to just happen in the finals. It has to happen, you know, progressively. We're going to have to see it throughout the playoffs. And he's going to have to become this dude, like a Shaq type dude. That's just. Yeah. I, the ball, I like their matchups. They got a favor getting the one seat because if they can, they beat the Wizards, they'll play the Hawks or the, the Knicks. And, barbecue chicken so they pretty much have it set up to get to the finals and one thing you worry about with the beat is his conditioning and maybe they can get to the finals with playing less than 10 games or so and they can get a little bit of rest while the, the bucks or heat are going to beat up on the clipper or the nets and that that series may be that's not going to be a quick series if it's, if it's bucks nets or miami nets that's going yeah. six games minimum um it's all about momentum and a lot of teams because of the injuries that we talked about because of you know the people kind of in and out of the lineup and stuff like that and, and the shortened off season uh, a lot of teams are just 
now or actually going to in the playoffs, right? Uh, really start to kind of finally come together, like finally develop that chemistry, finally be able to kind of have enough time on the court that they can sell, say they've gelled. Um, and it's at that point that they can actually start to develop momentum, right? And, and that, and that you know, kind of team flow state. Uh, so we're gonna see a lot of that, I think, over the course. I don't think we really, this, this season is different and unique in that I don't think that the, the regular season, the end of the regular season showed us like what each team is necessarily going to be at the end, right? Yeah. There's still some development and some evolution that we're gonna see happening on the floor which makes things very interesting. Um, they say basketball is a game of runs. And I think what they mean by that is that it's all about these shifts in momentum. And, uh, you know, the team that kind of, you know, catch, catch that wave, you know, catch fire. Like Miami last year. At the right time, exactly. Is is going to to be a very very interesting team to uh, to look at. All right. So yeah, I agree. So you're you're predicting pretty much the same as last year. So you don't see one of these younger generation guys kind of having a breakthrough. Similar, even though Jimmy Butler is not a younger generation guy, him and the Miami it's, team, the supporting Miami casters, team yeah, had a breakthrough sure. last year. So do you not see like a Luca or, or Giannis or Joel? So Luca. So Luca is an interesting one. That that's one I, I don't see with Joel, um, and I think it's because Joel, he's a guy, and this is just my my take, okay. But he seems to be a guy, as great as he is, um, it's still about him. You know, he he has not necessarily figured out that it's about the team, and once he understands that, I think things will kind of be a little bit different. Um, but Luca, on the other hand, he's built differently than a lot of these guys, um, you know, these, these younger guys, like he is a person that he's fearless. He does understand it's about the team. Uh, he's a natural playmaker, right? And has a very high basketball IQ, well ahead of his peers, right? LeBron actually made comments about him, I think it was last year, that I think were very genuine that, you know, this is a this is a, a guy that's going to be a serious force in the league, and I think it's because it's like game recognized game, like he understands the the level of court vision, and his game rises. Like we saw it in the playoffs last year, they they challenged the Clippers, and his first time in the playoffs, he had a game, he had a nasty game winner. He has this ability to to kind of take over. Um, he he's not obviously quite as talented um, of an athlete as LeBron or Steph. Um, but because he has a high basketball IQ and because, you know, he has teammates that trust him and he has a coach that supports and trusts him and lets him kind of do his thing out there, um, he's able to, to really impact the game tremendously. And he leaves teams helpless. I've seen it time and time again. He definitely takes over. And before you know it, you look up and the score shifted 10 points, you know, in, in their favor. And you're like, what the hell happened? You know, Luca happened. Um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. It's, you know, uh, it's like with anything, if, if he gets the, the ongoing support of his supporting cast, like these, these guys, like, um, did with the hyphenated name, you know, these kind of guys. Oh uh, yeah. Dorian Finney Smith. Yeah. These, these hyphenated name guys and stuff like that come out of the woodwork. If he gets 
this type of support, like you got in game one throughout this series, they could win this series for sure yeah. against the Clippers. So I just don't see that happening consistently. Yeah. Breakout stars last year, we had like Jamal Murray, Jimmy Butler. This year, I think, yeah, Luca definitely could be it. Um, Giannis, I mean, he's already a star, but he could take it to the next level. Joel can take it to the next level. Speaking of Jamal Murray, we, or Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell can take it to the next level. He had some success. Uh, Devin Booker with the Suns. Jamal Murray was a guy that really impressed me last year. That's, yeah, and that's frustrating because if he stayed healthy, and granted, they've looked great since he's been out. I just don't think when push comes to shove, they'll have enough. I think I would that would have been my pick. Oh, he yeah. was healthy. He's scared out of the West. He's scared. With and we didn't even mention Joker, who MVP this year. Congratulations, Joker. They added some good pieces. Big time. That team is is I mean, they're flying under the radar now because they lost their second best player, but watch out for them. You never know. They got to get by Dame first, obviously. And Dame's gonna do his thing. They just don't play defense up there in Portland. There's something about the whole notion of championship DNA, though. And the NBA proves to me time and time again. I mean, so one of these young guys has to have it. Well, so we got when, when are when are we going to see it? We'll see. Because you're picking the old doll. I am because I know what they have. I know what they have. I know what they have. I know what Jimmy. You're disregarding Kyrie and KD. I don't know what they have. I really don't. Those oh. those guys. They're those guys are question marks to me. And I'm telling you, there's there's this. They, they might and they, they they may prove me wrong, right? But I am the kind of person. Um, I, I, I have to see it. What do, if they won the championship? I will believe it when I see year. it. But no, but it, even if they won, does that prove? It proves wrong? a lot to me. It proves a hell of a lot because that would be a very unique championship, right? That would defy the odds. I mean, that'd be a championship won by, you know, a team that did not have a great defense. They would be the first team to fall outside of the top seven defensively, I think, in the history of the league to win a championship aside from like a couple of teams, like you're talking about like the, the Lakers dynasty, Kobe Shaq kind of, kind of stuff. I mean, they're not that right. I mean, th this is, uh, this would be unprecedented. The new coach, uh, first year coach. I mean, is this the beginning of a Steve Kerr kind of, you know, uh, dynasty? I, who knows, but we'll see. You know, I mean, they don't have a system. It's just kind of one-on-one. -on -one. Again, all these things are, would be defined yeah. the odds. Yeah, I, I think uh, we're going to see something kind of similar to what we saw last year, something that kind of comes out of nowhere. I don't think we're going to see Lakers-Nets. I think it's going to be something different. Um, but if we do see Lakers-Nets, I'm all for it. That'll be exciting. But, yeah, I mean, my money, at the end of the day, yeah. if I had to put money on it, my money's with the most mentally fit person in the league. If he's physically healthy, that's LeBron James. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited. And, man, I'm glad that there's fans in the stands. I'm glad that there's I know. shit talking going both ways. I'm glad that the Knicks are in the playoffs. I, I, didn't, I was like, this, this is not a big deal that the Knicks are in the playoffs, but MSG was popping. I never thought I would enjoy a Hawks Knicks game. It was, man. It's been awesome. It's been great to to hear the sound, the roar of the crowd. You know, I mean that that's a that's a part of the basketball experience that, um, and well, sports experience in general that uh, I think there's really no substitute. There's no there's no way to really. Speaking of momentum, that. that could help you gain momentum, but it could also um, you can be on the wrong side of that in a hurry if you're if you're a visiting visiting team. So. Ooh, I'm excited. I can't wait, man. Stuff, man. All right. Well, we're back recording episodes. 
and <laughs> yeah back from our sabbatical yep. <laughs> our mental health month but i think i think overall we're, we're probably our mental health day we're gonna i think ideally that for this year the rest of the year we're gonna we're not trying to put out a podcast every week we're trying to do more quality over quantity uh maybe oh, get no. a couple out each month um and really I mean, we're on the road we're on the road these days spreading the good news yeah. spread the good word you know letting like the pied piper the pied pipers of mental health absolutely right. man well it's, it's a pleasure <laughs> talking with you today armin and we'll uh we'll have to get together to watch some of these games indeed hopefully you know. we get a clippers lakers matchup in the western conference finals i'm not holding we'll my breath this year though we'll have to sneak sneak in to the uh staples Center. oh yeah There's... we won't be able to afford those yeah tickets. yeah <laughs> not yet <laughs> not yet give us some time a few more few few couple hundred thousand more fans yeah. and, you know we'll see Let's continue the conversation. And in the stigma.